On today's show, we're going to dive into some of the major college basketball matchups, including UCLA at South Carolina, M's in-person scouting thoughts from last week's Phil Knight Legacy Tournament, and plenty more. Locked Women's Basketball starts now. Ogumba Wallet for the win! You are Locked On Women's Basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Welcome. You're Locked Women's Basketball. My name's Hunter Cruz, and I'm the Saturday host covering the WBA draft and college basketball at large. Thanks for making Locked Women's Basketball your first listen every day. Remember, Locked Women's Basketball is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline had you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline, where the game starts. I'm joined by my co-host, M. Adler and Joshua Welch. M is a beat writer for the Seattle Storm, in addition to their plethora of work at The Next. Josh was the women's basketball content creator and can be found at ENFP underscore hoops on Twitter. So I know we, we wanted to start with Diamond Miller, huge game winner over Notre Dame. Even had Kevin Durant tweeting about it. Uh, very, very fun show in there. I know you want to talk about it, Josh. I want, I want to talk about uh, the difference between how some, I think she's starting to climb more in a number two discussions was where there was, heading into the season, I think it was more clear at number two. And you had, Diamond number two all along. So, yeah. Again, the uh, let me just say from the beginning, I, I said she was two, and because just that sophomore film just was incredible to me. Like, the, there's just not a lot of players that uh, can just move like she does in the paint, and then just uh, how she's able to contribute in every aspect. Like, uh, specifically her last three games, like she's really cut down on the turnovers, which was plaguing her a little at the beginning of the season, and. Um, she's just turning into a more complete player where I'm even hearing um, some people talk about number one with Indiana, like we talked about with Mark. I, I've seen it. I, I've seen it. I, I am not there yet. Uh, I just, despite the Fever's front court depth, I, I just don't see why you would like pass on the lay of Boston. But um, I am starting to get concerned for my Atlanta dream not being able to, to pick her up now because uh, – Diamond's killing it. That buzzer beater was so fun. Everyone knew that she was going to be the one taking the shot and just knocked it down. Uh, 31 points, 12 rebounds, five assists, two steals, and three blocks. Just, again, a player that just makes an impact in so many different ways. And just, yeah, what a fun ending to that game. Uh, what were some things both of you saw uh, that really intrigued her about uh, that game against Notre Dame? Look, I agree. Um as far as the sophomore tape, I think the highlights that she showed off that year were, sorry, I think the highlights she showed off that year were, you know, obviously as good as really anyone in the class. Um, but for me, it's the consistency that she's brought this year. I mean, props to you for, for expecting that to come along. And it really has in terms of the footwork that I've talked about in multiple episodes, in terms of the ability to finish consistently, especially with that left hand, the defensive effort in rotation that I don't think had been there before, it's now all coming together in a way that is, you know, she's someone who was consistently scoring 20, 25, 30 at this point, which is something that even looking at her sophomore tape, like that wasn't a thing she was doing at that point. And that wasn't a thing that she was able to do, I think, at that point in time. And the consistency she's added to that, to her game, to be able to do that and to be able to hit 
the marks that we have seen flashes of that made us so excited by her, but do it Definitely. night in and night out for a team that desperately needs someone to someone to step up in that role. They don't have anyone else that can do it if she's you know, having a night off. Seeing that as it, it's it's a special kind of thing to be able to take over in that role. You talked about, you know, everyone knew she was getting the last shot in that game, but it wasn't just that. Like everyone knew she was getting the shot at every shot at the end of that game. She had 13 points <laughs> yeah. in the fourth quarter. It was, I want to say True. four of six shooting or five of seven shooting from the field. Just an unbelievable night from her downing what was pretty easily a top five, six, seven team. And one that has depth and good defenders all across its lineup. Yeah, performance. Yeah, because like they, they were trying to make so many plays, like because she was creating her shot from the perimeter and everything, and they were trying to make like play play help like in the lanes on the nail. And every time it, it it made no difference. She's her handle is so tight whenever she's driving to the rim. I mean, like I have her I have her shot chart pulled up from yesterday, and and from she took three threes. I think a couple of them were like a couple step backs, uh, both above the break, over three from three, over one in the mid range, and then in the paint was eleven for seventeen. So it's like to get 17 shots at the rim, that's like absurd rim pressure ability. And it's not like those, it's not like she's playing the dunker spot and she's getting drop off passes to the rim. She's creating those herself. She's getting downhill. She's utilizing her handle, her, her, I mean, her burst is like unreal. I think a lot of fun things with her. And like, uh, did you guys see anything else on the Notre Dame side in that game, uh, Olivia Miles? Uh. Really quick, one more thing on Diamond Miller. Just speaking of her, just like creating opportunities in the paint. Um, that's something else that was not on her sophomore film, and her just getting to the line. Like uh, I, I just pulled it up now. Um, her free throw attempts her sophomore season were four point seven per game. So far this season, seven point three per game, which is incredible. And she's had a couple games where she's gone double digits. So. Uh, yeah, <laughs> defenses don't know what to do with her, and <laughs> they're just putting her at the line. They're like, uh, let her pretty much be an automatic score or make her have to earn it at the free throw line. And, yeah, it's just been so much fun. But, yeah, obviously. She's currently, she's currently in the 90th percentile among forwards in the free throw rate. Amazing. Or free throw attempt rate, I should say. Yeah, I mean, Hunter, just to your point on the um, on the Notre Dame side, I mean, as always, Livia Miles is great. Yep. The shot, I think, is coming along, and the on-ball flashes are there. The defensive potential is there. Again, I think, you know, I said, I said you know, how good that game against uh, Northwestern was, uh, despite the uh, abridged minutes. And I think, you know, she just continues to show flashes and is just an incredibly exciting player. I think everyone on that team is really rounding out to form. They obviously, you know, had an off night from Darren Mabry, let's say, and that's going to cost you because that is – that so much their offense runs through being able to do that they had off nights from their bigs really just in terms of how they they weren't able to handle the boards as well as usual you know lauren ebo did not come in and provide the usual presence against the opponent's bends that she's able to just with their size it was surprising to see that frankly against a team that really does, just doesn't have any centers like maryland plays like a five i want to say like a five ten lavender briggs as kind of like a bench small four it's very strange that Notre Dame struggled so much inside, but you know, on the more positive notes, I mean, Sonia Citrone is like the the, the leap she appears to have made this year as a fin to be able to like finish her scoring last year. I think she was like thirty one percent from three. This year, we saw a game in which she started off five five from three. She goes four or five from three in this game. She's just hitting shots. She's filling gaps well. She's able to finish, and defensively, the length and the consistency on ball is there, even if 
you know, sometimes you're guarding someone who's just going to hit every shot over you because they're Diamond Miller. Did you see anything? Um, like, like you said with Olivia Miles, uh, again and again, not just the simple passes. She can make some extremely impressive reads uh, in ball screens. I mean, I think people said, like, she could be eligible next year, which is, like, another thing that uh, we'll see at some point and see uh, how that turns out. Because, I mean, for me, I want to see the best talent in the league as soon as possible. So if she's, oh, yeah. yeah, so. Well, I, I need sh- team expansion I'll- and I need roster expansion. Just need to throw that out anytime <laughs> oh, these things are. <laughs> but yeah, the, um, to the point about her, you know, being eligible, we talk just as a note for listeners, we in, you know, the WNBA and the draft in college community, we talk a lot about players who can be eligible to leave after their junior year. And that's one thing. It's something that's really rare. Um, it's really overstated in terms of like how much we talk about it versus how much it happens. The thing with Olivia Miles, and this is also the thing with someone we'll mention later in the show, uh, Oregon State's point guard, uh, Talia Von Olofen. Olivia Miles matriculated to Notre Dame a semester early. She came in in a spring of what would have been her senior year of high school. So it's not that she can like leave early. It's that she will be eligible because she will have finished her, like she will have finished seven semesters of college at the end of next season, which realistically, you would think that she might have gotten her bachelor's in those seven semesters. She might do a normal four years of college uh, or of high school or sorry, of college ball and get a one year master. She might get the bachelor's after seven semesters and call it a day there. It's going to be really interesting to see how that develops uh, for her. And the the one play in particular from her, uh, the inbounds played late in the fourth quarter where she just (laughs) threw it. It seemed like on a rope where it just, Gave, I, I forgot who nailed the shot, but it was just late in the game where uh, Notre Dame briefly took the lead, I believe, when uh, she just made it. Yeah, she's just incredible. Just every game, uh, she just does something that just astounds me with her passing ability. And like you said, more of her game is coming together. Like, it's it's really scary um, for college hoops and, of course, the, the WNBA whenever she arrives. So, yeah. So coming up show, we'll get into our reactions from UCLA at South Carolina, which featured two projected top five picks in this year's class. BetOnline.net is your number one source for football betting this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. The, easiest and e- easy, the fastest and easiest way to check on all of your favorite games and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to BetOnline.net or use a mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Thanks for making Locked On Basketball your first listen every day. For your second listen, check out Locked On Sports today. From the biggest games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and analysis only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports today available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. So let's get into South Carolina against UCLA. Extre- extremely heavy matchup between a lot. We have a lot of different prospects. Not even just for this year, there's a lot of five-star recruits that will we'll continue to be talking for the years down the line. So in this game, uh, I think we saw UCLA get out to a really good start, which is like kind of gave a little bit of shock to South Carolina. But they they ended they ended up pulling out late. And uh, what did you guys see from uh, just as a holistic view? What, what what were your takeaways from this game as a whole? I'll say to you I first. Some mixed, I, I had some mixed thoughts. There were. Basically, there were some players I really loved in this game, and there were some players not so much. Boston, I thought, had her moments. 
um, where she was, you know, clearly she was clearly just a lay of Boston. She also had some moments where she let a freshman get by her and hit a reverse layup when you thought she should have had the wingspan to contest it. There were some moments when she wasn't able to finish for an and one when you thought maybe that was something that, you know, like Cameron Brink would be able to do. And those were a little surprising. Um, but I mean, overall, just as usual, pretty strong game for her, despite the fact that her matchup, Emily Bassoir from UCLA, is a real good defensive center. I thought overall, there were a lot of strong performances on the UCLA side. Charisma Osborne, I think, continues to be someone who's excellent in the spot she picks. It's, I think it's fair to be concerned about, you know, how much she has to pick her spots. But, you know, when she is going for it, she's going to go for it. Her ability to work in the post right now. She posted up Brie Beal several times in the game, and she's giving up, I think, three inches in that matchup and certainly, like, 40 pounds, which, on the flip side, I think I'm just out on Brie Beal at this point. Like, I don't know what she's going to do for you. I don't even know if she's actually a positive for South Carolina at this point. I also liked some of what I saw from Kiki Rice in this game. Oh, God, yes. Mm-hmm. She, oh, God, see, yes. The, the story will be how she ended the game, but over the course of the game, I mean, her downhill driving, like... Can I just point out, the story will be about how she ended this game, but to be clear, if you watch the game and you watch the replay, she was right to be pissed. That was a clean steal, oh, yeah. and it was oh, an incredible for sure. steal. For sure. But like, I'm not I was gonna get in the refs. I'm not gonna get into it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm good. But I, I was. I think she ranks in like the 70th percentile uh, in terms of rim finishing this year, which is like, I mean, she's a freshman. She's 18 years old. She had like I mean, three reverse layups in this game. Oh, I know. With like yeah. Six eight wingspans. So athletic. Yeah. One of, the, one of them was against Boston, right? Oh yeah, yeah. That was like yeah. her first bucket. It was crazy. And she she had this like she had this hezzy dribble. It was a pick and roll. It was a high pick and roll going to going towards the sideline. She cuts she cuts it um, towards the baseline. She hits Aaliyah Boston uh, at just past the elbow with this hezzy dribble. It forces Boston to take an extra step, and Grice just gets by her and hits the reverse. Crazy stuff. So we want to talk about um, Zaya Cook in this game. I mean, the shooting efficiency was. Uh, I'm out. I'm out, out. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, look, like where is she has such an open bucket from the corner so many times a game from three. I just like, if you're not going to be able to hit a corner three wide open on like as many times as she gets that look, I don't understand what you're going to be doing. Like the shot making in theory is what it is, but it's like that sophomore year just seems farther and farther away. From the eye test, she's better on contested shots than open shots. At least, <laughs> at it least, least, least... Be in rhythm. It yes, yes. to be in rhythm. Maybe not at the rim, but like in terms of mid range shooting, three point shooting. Yes. I mean, like she got so many like, uh, like uh, extra pass above the break threes or like from the wing, and she just couldn't capitalize on these looks, which was like, I mean, it's it's frustrating because like she started the year off so hot. I mean, we still had our questions about her. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're we're always like, okay, let's see how long how how sustainable this is, uh, especially how they have they have a lot of big matchups over their non conference play, and it's like, I mean, I I want to be a big fan of her game and like. It's yeah. yeah. What do you think? Someone's Joshua? going to take someone's going to take a shot on her just with the flashes of potential. Yeah, someone's going to take her. Yeah, someone's going to take her. I, I just don't know. I, I mean, I would definitely take in the third round if like she was available and like no one that I was maybe late second round. Yeah, but just see what really happens quick. in camp and get her in rhythm. But yeah, but really quick, just have to go back to Charisma Osborne. Like, it. I I I made the mistake with the Mystics on not picking Haley Jones, but with the Dream. I, I really like Charisma Osborne's game. Like uh, you cannot like, move enough players over Haley Jones at this point. 
Jeez. I, that, the, the other one was on accident. So <laughs> she is. She's gonna end up going like is she. Just make can clear this up. She is. Is she in your top four? Yeah. Okay. Yes, okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Not in the mod draft. Not in the mod draft. She wasn't. Yeah. No. Oh, I know. But Tebow <laughs> took over. All right. My he's apologizing and... enough for that at this point. <laughs> but um, yeah. My favorite game of Osborne's is something that was just warranted, like the full court pass that she did that ended up being blocked. All we're seeing on the replay is the shot being blocked at the end, but she like got the ball and just released it so oh, yeah. quick. It was just right where the shooter needed to like just be in step. Uh, yeah, I, I love the flashes she's shown in her passing game, along with uh, the jump shot that's been more consistent when uh, she hasn't had as much in her plate as she did last season. So just really excited for her game and uh, just the UCLA team in general. Just again, like Hunter mentioned, just the high caliber players they have on that team that are going to be here for at least uh, a couple years. So, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And her defense might be, I think a little bit more, a little bit less impactful, I'll say than, than maybe what I'd thought after last year, after the games, at least that I watched of theirs, but I mean, it's still like early going in the season. She's still, you know, having come off the amount of injuries she had last year. She's still doing pretty well navigating through all the screens that South Carolina had for her. She's still recovering well. There were some shots towards the end where she was on Kira Fletcher or Zaya Cook and she, you know, has to go under an Aaliyah Boston screen, meet her at the elbow and stick with her and contest a shot at the rim here from them. I mean, she's just doing well. Her athleticism translates. She's not losing people off the dribble. She is able to provide, you know, a, a decent amount of help for her teammates off the ball in defense. You know, I think at this point, you're looking at someone who's just very well-rounded. Um, I don't know how much necessarily, necessarily like upside there is, unless you think you can, for some reason, unlock something at the rim from her or something in terms of like getting over ball screens. But at this point, I'm, I am in love with uh, the comp I made a few weeks ago. She, to me, is a supercharged Nia Cloud. It's like if you took Nia Cloud and then made everything better. And actually Watkins, freshman for South Carolina, she had a pretty big block on um, uh, Charisma in this game. I mean, it was kind of like helping over because that wasn't her initial ma- initial matchup uh, on that possession. Pretty big block. Kind of like what I saw from her as well. But, I mean, that's just kind of what South Carolina does, just these long athletic forwards. I mean, uh, Leisha, me here. I mean, I'm I'm the biggest fan on uh, on this on this podcast right here. Um, I had I had a little bit of a query. Uh, so she's one of three power six players in the country this season. Did you just say power the, six? What? Fine, fine. Yeah, yeah. The Big East is a lot better this year than it was last year. And yeah, they've yeah, done yeah. so good in non-conference play. But this is a they have WNBA prospects. podcast. I'm gonna. They're stop, a lot better so. this year than they were last year. I'm. Yes, I don't have a like to stand on anymore. And yeah. I am excited for this. I saw this, and it features a player that I mentioned preseason. You're like, who the heck is this? Uh, go ahead. Hunter. I know. Who I'd, I'd like to hear you. So she's one of three players with a 2% steal rate, 6% block rate, and 70% from the free throw line, like minimum 15 minutes per game, which is like, okay, you're in the rotation. And that joins uh, Stephanie Suarez for Iowa State. It also joins Diamond Miller at Maryland. We all talked about her earlier. And then Tiana Jackson at uh, Kansas. Thank you. I'm genuinely surprised Cameron Brake didn't make that list. And for listeners who have listened since the beginning, this is a player that I brought up before the season, who I saw their film. I threw them in the last spot of my draft work, but just another player that I just like their athleticism and something could potentially be there. And I'm glad she's showing 
uh, more offensive spurts. I thought the defense was already there, and now she's adding offense to her game. And, yeah, I, I think she's someone uh, that I am going to have to get Emin Hunter to watch a full game of uh, coming up. So I'm excited. I to tried. Pushing I tried. Wasn't that before the all, season? Kansas, but also, like, look, okay, whatever. That's not the point right now. First of all, <laughs> I looked it up. Cameron Brink did, m- misses that list because her steal rate is exactly 0.1% too low. She didn't make it. She, she was just it. on the brink of making it. Oh, so close, Sam. I'm so dumb. I'm, I'm so dumb she has to deal with these dad jokes all the time. So, yeah. God. Like, it, it'd be one thing if we only did them, like, once every so often. It's every <laughs> Anyway, Ashlyn Watkins. For, for me, the thing with her, and in contrast to, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to make her in contrast to Victoria Saxon because Saxon is good at power forward and she does good things defensively. It's not like high level stuff, but it's quite good. But sort of like a level above Saxon, or in contrast to what I often see from me here in terms of being out of place, um, but having to make up for it with her wingspan. Watkins, like her footwork, her placement, her ability to stick with people and just you know stay on assignment, even though she's like. Yeah, approaching what her fiftieth minute in college ball and against these top teams is has been really impressive to me. Like the the shot you're talking about against Osborne. So Osborne's guarded by Bree Beal. They run a they, they run like a pick and roll from the mid range, empty side, uh, close to the elbow. Osborne goes toward the sideline, comes back. Bree Beal gets caught in the rescreen and can't recover to Osborne. So Beal effectively forces. Um, Watkins to switch on to Osborne. Osborne hits Watkins with a pump fake. Watkins goes airborne and Osborne tries to get just pull the ball back and then shoot again, but Watkins doesn't jump far enough. She lands on her feet and then bounds right back into Osborne. She's just so springy and coordinated. She just stuck with her the whole time. That's She's the player to watch for sure. I'm really glad going back to a me oh. here. Oh, sorry. Oh, I was just curious. Are you the same as me? I'm like, I just, I can't commit to her being a first round pick. Like just so many, like she has like a couple flashes every game of like, wow, this player is a incredibly athletic and uh, can be an impact player. But I just don't think it's fully there yet where I'm strongly contemplate, contemplating making her a first round pick yet. Are, are you in the same area or where are you at? Yeah, for me, it's everything that I see flashes of from her. Within the same game, I will see three or four times, two or three times she'll do the same thing, but get it wrong. And it's the, it's not necessarily just the inconsistency, but it's just like the difference between the rawness and where she has to get to, to be an impact player with her non-shooting, you know, the passing is fine. Her passing ability is good, obviously, but you know, her running point is kind of a joke. Like she doesn't actually play me, you know, with her offensive profile, like, and her extreme inconsistency in actually finishing there's you know the things that she makes flashes of the difference between where she is and where she has to get you to be an impact player at this skill set is a wide goal for me and i'm not sure about how difficult it is to get there yeah with with her jumper in this game she had one it was like right corner three i mean it's like a it's like a slingshot jumper and it, it was Air ball, no rim. She like, over, she shot. Oh yeah, she, she over. Yeah, she, yeah, she shot, shot over the entire rim. Like, like I, I like her game. Like I think her defensive event creation is like absurd. I mean, like she had a couple plays in this game where I think she's like one. She jumped the passing lane on Kiki Rice. I mean, there was another moment where I think like she was at the nail. Uh, quick steal. I like, just 
just quick lunges right in there, and she, she can force turnovers. But also, like you said, her off-ball defense, she can kind of get lost sometimes. And it's, it's, it's kind of an odd situation where she's a senior, but she makes mistakes like a freshman would make, which is like it, – it, I mean, like I, I'm still in on her game. I think she's still probably a first-round prospect for me personally. Um, but I, I see Definitely the concern. someone her. takes her. Yeah, no, yeah no. She, has, she has flaws. She has flaws in her game. And uh, we'll, we'll just see how it goes as it progresses this season because the production – uh, defensively, uh, statistically wise, has been awesome. Like I said with that query earlier, but it's just it's just about uh, adding to her offensive game. But we'll see. So after the break, we'll wrap up with M's in-person scouting thoughts from last week's Phil Knight Legacy Tournament that featured the likes of UConn, Iowa, Duke, and then also Oregon State, uh, which we'll get into that later. So, okay. <laughs> so I'll give it to you, M. You were in person for this game. Uh, this tournament as a whole, this whole weekend, uh, what did you think uh, overall from the tournament, uh, different matchups, prospects? What were your yeah, key takeaways? I, yeah, I mean, you know, like I thought Zach Eady was obviously dominant under the rim defensively. You know, I think his positioning gets more credit than his actual ability. I thought Brandon Miller was – I mean, Brandon God, Miller. Wait. Oh, right. Women's basketball. Sorry, I was out there covering both. Very confusing. A lot of we, games. We can talk about Brandon games. Miller. Like, I can talk about Brandon Miller any day. We can talk I, I won't Miller. have anything Dang. to say. I only watch women's hoops. I, I would have nothing to say, so I just make up stuff. So, <laughs> Imagine if – Brandon Miller is basically – imagine if you gave, like, Caitlin Clark's jumper to uh, Cameron Brink. At least offensively. Anyway, you're just, sorry. You're just trying to, you're just trying to build – Cameron Brink in a lab, like expand her game in a lab. Exactly. Which really quick, <laughs> do you think there's any chance, because she's draft eligible, going back to the players that are draft eligible, what would it take for her, like how dominant of a season would it take for her to potentially leave early? I don't know. That's up to her. National champ. I, like, <laughs> wow, it's up to her. People people just don't do that that often. Um, but yeah, I mean, as far as the, as far as the PK 85, there was a lot that, I mean, first of all, there was just so much basketball credit to them. They put on an amazing, an amazing tournament for everyone, for the fans, the tickets that were able to just get into so many events and the amount of stuff they had handing out and the experience there for the media in terms of the access, in terms of the food, in terms of everything and how easy they made it for all of us just, and for the players, the opportunity, incredible, incredible all around. As far as the play, I mean, first of all, Azifud is incredible. As you can do a whole bunch of stuff. We talked about it on the show before. I'm not going to beat that horse to death already, but I mean, in person, it pops just the same as it does in film. Sticking with them, you know, Aaliyah Edwards is making some jumps this year, and you know, it's it's it it stands out. I think we see them in person. The way that she's moving within that offense and the way that she's hitting jumpers right now is it's something. And they they had to play her at center against Kennedy Brown, who's six six from Duke. They had to. I had to play her against Monica Sanano, literally the most efficient player in college over the past like two or three years against Iowa. And she held her to, I think, seven points. It was like two or six shooting okay, or something. Okay. That's crazy. Aliyah Edwards is making some leaps right now, just in terms of being able to you know, be worth something on offense and like holding up defensively in ways that she has not in the past. This is serious. And I think the whole starting lineup that, I, that uh, UConn threw out over this past weekend is something to look out for in future drafts. And that's including Nika Mule, if she can develop something on offense. Lou Lopez and Ashal is going to be worth something. Looking at Aubrey Griffin next year, or actually this year, I think. Again, these are players to look out for. Um, really did you guys out. watch did you guys watch UNC Iowa State? Of course I did. 
I'm a UNC fan for people. That I know don't you're know. a UNC fan. So you're going to tell so, so tell me what you thought of. So obviously Deja Kelly had a little bit of an inefficient day, but I want to know what you thought of that. And also Stephanie Suarez. Yeah. Um, Suarez, especially in the first half, I, I didn't know if she was going to be stopped. Um, and it's someone I obviously did not watch film on, uh, over uh, the off season. Cause there's no, uh, I want to thought the look at film of NI NAIA. Is that where she is? I don't know. But yeah, anyway. I, the masters. I didn't know who she was before the season. Nope. Yeah. I yeah. I had no clue, but, but she was impressive. No. And she has like the, the size inside to make it an impact. It's just um, what we were talking about in our group chat, just um, how much time is she going to have to develop uh, before the draft to make her a more intriguing prospect than other front court players. But would someone uh, take, take a risk on her with what she's shown already to, in flashes this season? Absolutely. Um, both of you know um, that I'm a huge fan of Kennedy Todd Williams as well, but okay. she had an incredible game and is just another player uh, that just makes an aspect and so uh, difference in so many aspects of the game. And she's added a consistent three point shot. Um, so yeah, that's another player I was really excited for. Uh, Deja Kelly, especially. For sure. Yeah, just they flat out put on a show in that Iowa State game in the second half. That was incredible. Just both of them feeding off of each other, Deja Kelly and uh, Kennedy Todd Williams. So, uh, I'll say as far as Suarez this year, you know, just as far as uh, draft picks this year, um, as far as Iowa State, I think Ashley Jones, what she was doing to Alyssa. Uh, be in this game makes me maybe a little more bullish on the ability of her you know like interior game to transit to the w interior game just being like she has like basically one and a half post moves but you know if that's able to work then i think it unlocks her to be used as a shooter without teams necessarily just selling it on top locking her the whole way which is intriguing as far as ashley jones is relatively low draft stock at the moment as far as suarez being able to be 6'6 and also shoot the three while being good at the rim as she is, is really intriguing. And she's not like a, she's not purely a foul machine, I think, um, on defense right now, even though she's, you know, she's not great, but she's, she has the size and she at least put, uses it somewhat. But we talked about this with, uh, with a friend of the show, Peter Kilkelly on Twitter a little bit, which is one thing that has stood out to me in the game, just watching it live, is the fact that She's six six, but she finishes like she's six two or six three. There's a thing that you talk about in men's basketball a lot, and not so much in women's basketball, which is the term called playing above the hoop, which is to say that someone is quite literally able to put the ball above the hoop when they dunk, when they finish, yada yada yada. Because the higher you put the ball, the harder it is for opponents to block it or get in the way. What you see with a lot of centers is when you're laying up the ball, you know they they keep their hand on the ball as long as possible to keep that ball as high as possible, so it's hard to block. It's hard to contest. And Suarez is finishing really low. Her hand leaves the ball pretty low off the ground. And I don't know how fixable that is. If it is fixable, I'd be a lot more bullish on her. Makes sense. So I, want, and I, want, I want to go back to um, UConn and Nika Mule. She has the funkiest advanced stat profile I've ever seen. 9.6% <laughs> usage, which is in the bottom three percentile. And there's her assist rate is... She has a 40% assist rate, which is 100th percentile in the country. She leads the country in assists, yes. Yes. It's like, it's absurd. Like, I mean, her offensive game, obviously, it's it's passing. Like, I mean, she, she averages, like, what, 1.7 field goals made per game. So it's low, but, like, teams respect 10... her as if Teams respect her as if she's going to hit some mid-range shots on them when 
she has yet to prove to me that that's a thing. She is the but most fast. Fair, she's a really good playmaker. Oh, yeah, like, definitely. If you are not a scorer, the playmaking doesn't really can't really translate. It's like running a pick and roll, and then like I, I remember Mark Schindler. He had uh, Kevin Pelton on, and they were saying how like in Great with the with with the old with old point guards, like they were saying like they'd run pick and roll. What the primary decision at a pick and roll was to pass. Where now we're seeing more proactive decision makers at a pick and roll, and Nika Mule's kind of more that that old traditional point guard where she's just a flashy passer. Uh, I mean, she, she's she's she's, inter- she's interesting. She's a sensational point of attack defender, though, and so oh yeah, three yeah, three percent assist rate. Something. Yeah, you can just get something. Steal rate. to go on. If you can just add something to go on offense to be like just remotely respected as a shooter, then you're looking at a true like impactful two way point guard. No, and I, I looked at her hoop stats because again, like her passing rate is just off the charts. Like the last player um, to finish with double digit assists for an entire season was Courtney Vandersloot. Uh, with Gonzaga, so uh, that's a good player. Stuff. Yeah, she's pretty, pretty good. Pretty good yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, I just wanted to ask you one quick question, Emma. Who's a player that stuck out like that didn't pop out on film as much? Like just a player that you noticed just seeing in person, like what, that you were able to notice something differently than watching on film. There were there were a couple examples, I think, you know, obviously being a Duke covering Duke, I watch every, pretty much every one of their games, mostly most of them in person. Celeste Taylor is someone who has, you know, over the years been mixed. And I think that comes out in their stats. We've talked about her jumper, or I've at least written about her jumper sort of being a key to improving here. And Duke's roster construction, the plays it runs, make it a little prescribed as to whether or not she can take the volume to show improvement there. But I, but against UConn, I at least wanted to see a little more oomph from her when when other Blue Devils weren't getting it done. You know, that that's not necessarily lowering my stock on her, but that was something that I at least wanted to see. Um, although, again, the structure of their offense makes it a little hard for someone to do that. Uh, on the other hand, you know, Emily Ryan and Lexi Janarski, the backward duo for Iowa State, I wasn't hugely high on them coming into the weekend, but, I mean, they they kind of got owned over the weekend, to be honest. So their shots didn't really pop in the way that they might on film just when you're looking at a game in which they are shooting well. You know, UNC is really good at contesting perimeter on the perimeter, and it just kind of silenced them. Lexi Donarski looked – I didn't – I don't know how it happened at the time, and I still don't understand how on earth she won Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year last year in a universe where Nalissa Smith was in the same conference especially – and I, I don't see much from either of them. Even with Emily Ryan's assist numbers, I don't see that much playmaking happening here. I don't see high-popping passing ability by itself. Uh, fun what about a positive? What about someone positive? You know, is, is there something that you were like, whoa, this player, this popped off the screen for them and I didn't see it. What, what's on a positive note? <laughs> Let's go back to the team everyone knows is my favorite team in the universe, QCon. Lulopez Seneschal and Aubrey Griffin, I think, were popping on offense in a way that I don't think I'd necessarily seen them on tape. You know, I the fourth a lose, I think it was the fourth quarter against Texas to open the season was ridiculous. And and when what it was, I think she was like one of eight coming into the quarter in that game and then hit like six shots, a bunch of threes. Aubrey Griffin's been super duper efficient this year and just like it's really smooth to watch in person. Those are both games that are draft eligible this year, lose a grad student, I think, 
And those are both players that I'm definitely, definitely keeping an eye on. Awesome. So thanks for making Locked Ones Basketball your first listen. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. The biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.